0: we are live ladies and gentlemen welcome back to addicts and recovery or a.i.r um this is zach we got mike here of course and we have our new regular uh he's permanent now he's permanent he is he's he's a keeper one of us and it's kevin hi um man everybody just loves him so we're like why not just bring him back yeah i got good feedback and he's got he's got wisdom He's got He's turning fifty next year. Cool,
1: <laughs> thanks, person. <for seeing> <laughs> I am. I am though. It's true.
0: Um, today we're actually going to be talking about relapse prevention. Uh, kind of what relapse is, uh, where relapse starts, um, the progression of it, and all that stuff. So we can kind of help whoever's out there and whoever's listening maybe recognize if they're in relapse um, or the process of relapse because relapse is starts before you actually pick up, right? Um, so a couple of things. We have listened to requests, so we've switched up our microphones and our gear. So, are current. Us, yes, we are up to date. So let us know how this sounds in comparison to our other ones. And uh, also... Remember that we have a, or that I have a blog. Um, It's addictabroad.home.blog, and that would also something to look into if you're traveling and in recovery. So,
2: and you can also check us out on Instagram. We're I'm trying to keep it active and fresh and Mike is inspirational, and you know we're gaining some followers. And you know any
0: feedback or whatever, we're we're here and we're definitely not leaving. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so, if you have any questions or comments, or you want to hear about a specific topic, let us know. Just uh, message us on Instagram, and we, I think, have responded to one hundred percent of everything that has been thrown out there. So, if yeah. not, we've definitely tried. No, we're we're staying
2: pretty current. Yeah. We're
0: good. So, all right, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about relapse. What's um, what is what is relapse? Kevin, jump into it. What is relapse?
2: What is
1: relapse? Um, I would say relapse is. I'm interested to hear. So like, <laughs> no, sorry um, to like just throw it out. That's okay. That? So as relapse is where you mentally uh, you want to go back to the drugs and alcohol uh, instead of living and coping. Uh, with what's going on in your mind and in your life today, uh, right? Would, yeah, I yeah. yeah. think I think, I think so.
2: I really like. Um, we've been kind of. We have this uh, uh, relapse prevention and kind of the five rules of recovery that we're going to kind of talk about tonight. But he does talk about uh, relapse, and one thing I really like about it is he says it's a gradual process. Which I had a. I thought about that for a while. Just the word gradual, and every person I've talked to that says that I've. Said, hey, like you, you know, or they tell a story like in an AA meeting or something, and they say that I've, you know, there's their story of relapse. It's never like quick, you know, no, it's like thought of, planned out, you know, geared up to do. And it's, and I really feel like that word gradual, it kind of caught me off guard, you know, because it kind of creeps into you, you know, that you've, that's how it happens. Sure.
1: I, I heard somewhere that actually, you know, like, months before Mm -hmm. you actually pick up a drink or pick up a drug again, that uh, looking back on it in hindsight, you can actually tell months ago where you started to slip down that slope.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's healthy for what we want to try to talk about tonight is also people that are like in your inner circle. If you're married or you're dating or you got a spouse or whatever, family members, coworkers, uh, friends, and, uh, making them aware of kind of your relapse prevention plan, almost, uh, what you science to look for behavior that's changed. Um, that kind of sets off kind of almost the alarm clock to the person saying, you know, I don't know if he's right or what he's doing. You know, I can sense that he's going back towards his like addiction behavior ways. Right. And, and, uh, at that point being able to confront the person and ask them, you know. right yeah I I got a funny story I want to dive into it with right now (coughs) excuse me so Monday I was at work and I was working pretty hard we have all these busy busy stuff happening right now and one thing in my relapse prevention is open communication with my wife and let you know just a simple phone call or simple text message of just saying like hey checking in, how are you, whatever. But she kept texting me and calling me during the day. And I was so busy, I kept kind of putting it off. And by the time like five o'clock, six o'clock at night came around where I should be coming home from work, I had to go to another place to pick up some supplies from my workers. And I had like one bar in this place, my phone's phone was dying. And so my wife, she texted my dad, who's my boss and said, Hey, I noticed that, uh, you know, have you seen Michael? I'm I haven't heard from him all day. And my dad was just like, well, he was at the office with me a little bit ago or whatever. And then they, he tried, then my dad tried calling me and my phone was at the house at that point charging while I was in my backyard, just kind of like pondering, trying to like prepare for the next day to kind of go over stuff. Cause my kids were asleep and I was like by myself, my wife is inside taking a shower. And literally my dad like marches around the back side of the house. And he just like, is all of a sudden in my backyard. I'm like, Dad, what's up? And he's like, Oh, I couldn't get a hold of you. Abby was trying to get a hold of you. You know, and just like went on to this long thing <laughs> of like we were we were all just worried. Mom was telling me, you know, should I go over there? Should I go over his house? Should I go check on him? And and like I was seriously looking at my dad on my back patio and I was just like, what? Like and I initially I got mad. You know, my head, I was just like, oh, great, here we go again. I'm getting checked on by everybody. How we, dare they? Yeah. You know, like I just felt like just
0: betrayed do they know who I am
2: yeah (laughs) but then I just like took a deep breath and calmed down and I said wow I'm lucky that I have this type of support that's around me that fast you're talking just a few phone calls that I just wasn't replying to and that triggered everybody in my core was like okay something's going on and obviously you know fortunately nothing was it was just life busy life and I just and it was my fault I told that to my wife but I told her I was like yeah I was kind of pissed about this and and uh you know and she was like well are you mad at me I was like no I'm not mad at you I'm just like I it's my fault I should have been the one who should have been communicating and it was just kind of this big reminder and then after like I brought my dad inside and I just like thanked him gave him a big hug and I was like hey I, you know I really appreciate you spending the time to like your night coming over here and talking to me making sure I was okay. So I don't know. It's just it just is a big reminder that um you know I only have 10 months clean. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's not <laughs> see and what I get out of that
1: is you're you're so fortunate. Uh I mean you're so fortunate to have not only uh family members or you know, some people, people may have friends that would, you know, be so bold as to come check on you mm-hmm. or or caring. Um but the other fortunate part is that you're at a point where you can recognize how valuable that is because uh like you said like you know maybe your first first impulse would be like you know how dare you like right you know or gosh you don't trust me or whatever the <clears throat> the recognition that uh, you know y- you kind of earned that distrust right <laughs> from them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um and owning up owning it and uh, and just uh, you know, them coming to check on you—that's that's that's where you know you're making progress—is right. you're having different thoughts about using, you're using, and you're. well,
2: I also told my wife, I said, you know, I'm happy that I have this, but I I made a point and said if I was to jump at you now, like in denial, like what I can't believe you think this, and da 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 da, that is addict behavior. It is and Absolutely. you know, and it's I, a super I, guilty conscience, exactly, so when guilty. people do that, so <laughs> I just I just told her I was like, if anybody has any questions, if they don't believe me,
0: if they want to like, you know
2: whatever,
1: smell your breath, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have people that still do that,
0: yeah, to me, so <laughs> or like they come in for the side hug, and they're like, <laughs> and you can hear them go <sighs> as they go in for the hug to see if they smell your breath, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking a kombucha. Like, I was drinking this one. It was a clear
2: mind. It's a dark bottle. It looks like a red stripe beer, you know? I had a friend like turn it. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. right.
0: But I it's think, cool, though. I think that's actually a really good, uh, just to start off, too. I think that's a really good um, lesson to, to put out to the people that are listening is one of the first road or one of the first um, kind of walls that you can put in front of a relapse is the people you surround yourself by and your support system and that's why 12-step groups are so so um so i guess beneficial because they're so big and you create this support system and the same with your family um having a family that knows your values and knows what you want and you're openly com- communicating with them about that is a huge prevention for relapse because sometimes they see it in us before we can see it in ourselves. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah, and by- well, That's what every therapist told me.
2: They're yeah, gonna see it before
0: you. Yeah, absolutely. And so having them like on that front line, I've had several moments of that exact same, that exact same thing where somebody- will, like, look at me, you know, kind of that... Look? Yeah, that one <laughs> eyebrow raise, just like, I'm on to you kind of thing. And I, I get so pissed. Do you have any idea, like, how much work I've been putting into this? And I, I I personalize it, but in reality, I set myself up so that I can't fail. As I mean, at least not as easily. And, and those people are a huge barrier preventing me from relapsing um, because all those people will know. I mean, especially if I start, if I start using again, the signs are obvious. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're not, I'm not hiding anything from anybody. Um, and so having those people, yeah, that's a huge, a huge tool to have. Yeah. Um, that a lot of people will actually not utilize, you know, they'll avoid it family.
2: I think it takes a lot of humility for me when I left rehab, uh, my wife and I, with my therapist, wrote down uh, boundaries of things that she wanted, things that I wanted that was doable in a home that was conducive, you know, simple things of, you know, and we both agreed on it of different things. Of Number one was, if I drank again, uh, what do I do at that point? What, is, what can she do at that point? And, and my attitude towards it. And my therapist said, well, if he has the attitude of, hey, don't worry about it. It was only like a couple beers. I'll be fine. Versus I drank and I'm going, what do I need to do? Where am I going at that point? It's two huge different avenues. You know, one of denial, like I'm going to be okay versus I did this and I need some help. You know, and that was number one. And and it sounds really simple. It's like, okay, either you're going to be cool about it or you're going to be like, lying about you know (laughs) yeah right right. easier said than done
0: but easier said than done like way easier said than done well we're pretty good at that i think we're
2: pretty good at being in denial of it and it's like i'm fine you know i
0: got (laughs) this i'm good so i wanted
2: to jump into this so we well let's kind of parallel a little bit of this with this uh with this doctor uh, that talks about this practice of uh of relapse prevention. One thing that I really like about here, he says that each stage of recovery has its own risk of relapse. And um, he talks, he gives five main points. He says of uh, what we need to do um, in our, it's five rules of recovery, excuse me. And he talks about uh, number one, he says changing your life and recovery involves creating a new life where it is easier not to use to be completely honest. Three, ask for help Four, practice, self care and five, don't bend the rules. So (laughs) don't bend the rules. (laughs) Don't bend the
1: rules. (laughs) My mind, my mind used to go to immediately as, you know, these rules can be bent a little bit.
0: Yeah. And and they can't. Yeah. Mended, you know, (laughs) rules are meant to be broken. Right. Um, the I really like so I actually didn't know that there were stages of relapse for a really long time, um, well into like my my recovery, um, my recovery periods, and I I like how it is and, and there's a guy his uh his name is Terry Gorski, and he's actually written a, a relapse prevention book. Um, but he goes into, and everybody kind of goes into like the stages of relapse, uh, and he goes into three, three specific stages of relapse, which is emotional, emotional relapse, mental relapse, and physical relapse. And looking back on my last relapse, uh, I can see exactly how that all kind of fell into play. So my last relapse, I was full of anxiety. Uh, I was, I was living kind of very secluded. I was just barely starting to reach out. Um, it was just right after I started hanging out with Kevin actually. And we started hiking and biking and I started getting the kind of this, I don't know, these, this weight off my chest or whatever, but I, I didn't do what they kind of told me to do, which was go to meetings, actually do something with your recovery. La da 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 da. And that emotional relapse was there. And, and what I mean is that anxiety and the fear of, of relapsing. I almost relapsed because I was so afraid of it that I just basically like gave it. Just, like, oh, <laughs> fuck it. Like, why not? You know,
1: that makes perfect sense. actually. And, and it really does.
0: It's true. Only that's that's exactly would what that. happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, you know what? I give up. Like, fuck I'm done. Um, this is actually easier to do this. Exactly. And I would want
1: to drink right now. I'm just going to do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Just bypass the, you know, just bypass the rest of this feeling. Uh, but I thought especially like emotional relapse, I could really, really identify with that because that's really where it starts. At least for me, it did was anxiety. And then I would isolate. And then I would, uh, I would almost question, I would question my, my sobriety or, or somebody else would question my sobriety, and then I would get defensive. Like I'm kicking ass, da 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 da. What the hell? And then in reality, I was really just a ticking time bomb, and I had no idea. I had no idea that that was about to happen. Well, how long? Like, wh- how long did it take you to do that, though? Like, you,
2: you did you start
0: seeing like the buildup?
2: Was it like a week, a month? Was it?
0: So there was there was a buildup. The buildup was probably the first. Uh, two months out of treatment. I So in treatment, I mean, it's easy, man. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, they always say, like, give yourself credit, you know, because you could have gotten high. And, like, you're right, I could have gotten high. But with the support system that I had and the fact that my rehab was literally in the middle of fucking nowhere, <laughs> uh, I wasn't getting high. Uh, I might have been able to drink the hand sanitizer, <laughs> but that was about it. And that was not something that sounded very appealing to me. Uh, but once I left, that fear of... Am I going to relapse? Am I going to be okay? What is life now? You know, what is a new life? What is life like? Are these people going to be the same? Am I going to be the same? What do I like to do? What do I don't like to do? All of these things just built up for two solid months. And then, and I always talk about this, and we should probably even do a podcast just about this. But I crossed the three things that I wasn't supposed to cross my people, my places, and my things. Mm -hmm. I was with an old using friend. At a bar or in Salt Lake, which is the area that I used to drink and use in all the time, at a bar. So it's like like six months in, three like, you're out. yeah, exactly. I crossed all three lines. So of course, that that emotional that buildup, that anxiety and la da da, my my thought was I've been doing so well and I've been so careful, I can just have a day or like a night with a friend and I'll be fine. And it's really funny because I, we we actually at what point in time, if you're in early recovery and you think, yeah, I'm just going to go to a bar. Yeah. That's a, there's a really big red flag waving around, <laughs> but I was at one bar and I got a 12 step call, um, while I was at the bar and, and I was talking to this lady and we were having this great conversation, blah, 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 and I can, like, and she was, I think she had already been drinking, but, I had to kind of convinced her like, Hey, don't drink. Let it out. It's great. You know, recovery. And then sure as shit, the next bar we walked to, which is like, it was like a block away. I got fucking hammered.
1: And you were talking to her while you were in a bar.
0: I was talking to her while I was in a bar. Right. Yeah. She didn't that know. I was so in- familiar. <laughs> you're all preaching AA to people yeah. while you're, uh, I right. was on the phone at like yeah. at the bar. Yeah, exactly. Like, cool. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it did build up. It built up and it, and I, when I looked back on it, I could see that that emotional buildup, which in hindsight, if I hadn't had that relapse, I probably wouldn't have adjusted my sales to where I now know what to look for. But a lot of people don't know what to look for. They don't see that underlining anxiety or that underlying depression or whatever it may be in the back of their mind because it's so small right now. But it builds and it almost snowballs sometimes. And, and that's super dangerous because... At any point, a beer could just slide out onto the table and... It's go time. Know, yeah, it's go time. So after, though, I got a question. So next day, like, describe that. <laughs> I, uh, I was with Kevin. <laughs> um, I woke up that morning and... You know in the movies when, like, a bomb goes off or a grenade goes off, there's a ringing in their ears? Mm-hmm. Or, like, you know, they have that ringing sound? That's what it felt like. I woke up and it was, like, a ringing in my ears. Uh, what the hell did you just do? How the fuck did you get to where you're at? Like what, you know, what went wrong? Um, and I, there, there are very, there are several extremely low days that I've had in my recovery and that was one of them. This is really just bad day. And what I did was I directly went and hung out with two friends in recovery, um, and I told them like this, that, that, that morning, I mean, I didn't keep it in for very long, maybe a couple hours. And that seemed to help a lot more than just, cause my initial instinct was to isolate, isolate, stay at home. And I, these are new enough friends that like, I could get away with that. Right. Um, but isolate, stay at home. Don't tell anybody. And I just knew that that wasn't going to work. So There's no, it's hard to keep grilling.
2: Cause like, it's, you know, you're I'm good. A tear it this, apart. But- but okay so once that happened you tell your buddies that are that are in in recovery how long did it take after to start feeling like better with yourself because there's i know that there's so much guilt and shame and like you're just like i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i can commit this type of lifestyle how long did it take you to be like you know what i i start feeling better and
0: i can do this it so I had, and, and this goes for everyone who has a relapse, everyone who has a relapse, um, you have a choice, right? And this is the, exact, is the exact thought that went through my head. I can either A, go out and go out real, you know, I, I, I still have, at that point in time, I still had the numbers to all my connections. Um, all of the friends that I had at that point in time were still going to the same bars, so I could either, A, go do that and go out and, I guess, try and handle it, or I can, B, step my game up and actually do this recovery thing. Um, and it took, I can't tell you, I uh, honestly, I'm not sure. What what I did do is I stopped collecting, like, chips and key tags and time things for almost a year uh, because I was not, I stopped counting time, and I stopped treating uh, alcohol and drugs like this overwhelming monster that's behind me. Um, and did I ever at any point think that I had it? Never. Like not once. Uh, I still don't. I still don't think that I have it. I know that I am just as far away from a drink as anybody else. Actually, I have shorter arms than most people. So like <laughs> I'm closer <laughs> to a drink than most people are. And i that's actually one of the things that has like kept me going for so long is, is having that... Not necessarily the doubt, but the awareness that I am not, I'm not invincible and I don't have it. Um, and at any point in time, I could go out just like anybody else. And so that's kind of, I guess I I guess, I, I, I didn't really find peace in that, but it taught me uh, this lesson of relapse is going to be out there. And I guess I kind of have a choice of how I want to look at it. Do I want to look at it as like this terrifying thing at the end of the tunnel? Or do I want to look at it as an option that I'm just not going to take? Gotcha. And that's kind of how it switched.
2: That was like on Sunday, I went to an AA meeting and the guy that spoke, he had 17 years of sobriety and he was on a work trip in Chicago, I think he said, and he was with a bunch of people that he didn't know. And somebody just handed him a beer and said, Hey, you know, do you want one? And because the person had no idea that he was in, like, alcoholic at all, and he just like took it and he said, uh, "Sure," and he just drank it. And he was like, "In 17 years, I was doing so well, and like within meeting a stranger who just handed me a beer at a work thing, I did it." And he was like, and it just crushed him. Yeah, you know.
1: Did he Did he say what was going through his mind
2: when? He said that he was having some issues. He says once that happened, he says he went back to the hotel room and he immediately flew back home the next day back to where he lived. And he says he said that like Did he get drunk though? Not drunk. Oh. But he did it. You know, he was just sure. like really he was just being honest about the situation. And then he he talked about kind of the pre up to that where he wasn't like staying in tune with himself. He wasn't going to meetings anymore. He wasn't staying connected with people that uh, help him progress in his sobriety. You know, he said it was the small things, and he said it was very cliche where everyone says that, you know, stay with your sponsors, stay with your people in your circles, do this, go to meetings, go. And he was like, it's literally that cliche. It sounds ridiculous. (laughs) And because I don't like cliches, I hate them actually. And I, when I was in rehab, everyone got pissed at me because I'd always just like, and for this, we'll take another twenty-four. And they just like, okay, Mike, you're not, you're not funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought it was crazy, you know, interesting story about that. You know, seventeen years, and now he's had an additional ten plus years of since that story. So it's, I guess, we're always in this, you know. And I asked him after because I went, I pulled him aside. I was like, I, I really like the story, and he said, he says a lot of people kind of turn it as a negative, and he says. I turn it as a, I try to make it as much positive as I can get gain out of it that it did happen to me. And he says so many people fall so hard. I mean, the statistics out there are terrible. I mean, even the people I went to rehab with (laughs) 10 months ago, I don't think, I think probably 80% of them, maybe I I don't hear from a whole lot of them anymore and they're having issues. And, um, you know, yeah, the odds aren't, the odds aren't in your favor, right? (laughs) You know, but it feels, and I can see why though. Like I'm, I'm I'm trying to obviously not do that and go through that, um, but it is I hate that feeling though when you've let someone down, and that nothing feels worse when you let yourself down. Oh, yeah. Right. it's so hard to it's build yourself
0: up. The worst, yeah.
2: What about you, Kevin? We haven't. Sorry, we're Zach and I are just no. Roping I got I, along. I, I was
1: seriously. Uh, so I I didn't <sighs> I I I believe I've said this like a few times on here, but um. I didn't really have any education about alcoholism when I, um, decided to, to, uh, give it a shot to get clean. And I didn't know anything about relapse. Um, I did go through relapse, um, more than once. Um, but I remember the, the first, the first time that I I did it and, uh, Um, I think I had, I want to say I had 10 and a half months clean, and um, I remember going to an AA meeting um, after, uh, well, I went, I I remember going the next day, and I I said, um, I was, I think I was Kind of still drunk, actually, if I have to admit it. Um, but I, <laughs> I remember saying in the meeting, um, I I drank, I drank last night, and um, and someone said, "Oh, you you relapsed," and I remember getting uh, really offended by that word because to me, uh, relapse was for people uh, who went to rehabs. The, the, the no, word, the not. word ah. simply didn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I didn't relapse though. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I did obviously I, I never went to a, uh, um, a, a rehab. Yeah. A
0: a rehab, rehab.
1: Gosh, thanks. <laughs> a yeah. treatment center. It'd be funny wow. to see the, the other place that you, is like, no, you did relapse. The place I, where I, I worked work. did not. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: A place that you work. <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> no i i had been offered um by um an employment place that i uh that i worked at they they offered to send me to a rehab and i i declined i, I um um so it was it was kind of and then my my alternative to that was 90 and 90 in in a A atmosphere going to AA meetings, so I I I opted for the ninety and ninety. I didn't want people to find out that I was going to a rehab, which is now that I look back on it is insane. Yeah, (laughs) we all we all have our
2: own amounts of pride, right?
1: But I it's funny how the how you look at. Um, going to re- going to a rehab or going into AA, you know, at, at the beginning and many people share this, I think, um, there's a lot of shame involved. Um, you know, I'm in AA, you know, you try to whisper it or that kind of thing. But, um, but, you know, I could pee my pants and drink myself to death in front of my, you know, six year old and right. be great you know so <laughs> at least yeah, i'm not in yeah, rehab yeah, i don't i don't know <laughs> you know now that now now that i i you know i'm sober and i have some a little bit of time um there is nothing wrong with improving yourself right you know self improvement is admirable No matter where you're at in
0: life.
2: Well, it's, because it's it's hard. I mean, I remember my first week in rehab, I was telling, you know, I talked with my wife, and she's like, yeah, some of the neighbors are wondering, like, where you're at. And I'm just telling them, like, you're, like, on some long work something trip. (laughs) Just, like, this yada, 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 you know? And I remember at the very beginning, I was just, like, really uh, kind of embarrassed about it. And about halfway through, I was just like, you know, I don't care who knows. And then when I got out, part of my relapse prevention plan that I set up for myself was everybody that's in my circle needs to know exactly what I went through. So they're Mm -hmm. aware of it. Told my best friends, told my, obviously my family clearly knew, but mostly my best friends and, and, uh, some of them are, you know, they still are social drinkers to this day. And, you know, I've been skiing with them and they've done it or whatever and, and trying to like hide it from me and stuff thinking that they, whatever, but it's, it's fine. Um, Everyone kind of each their own, but for me, they respect it and, mm. and they would never be the type of person. Like if somebody gave me, like if we we're on a trip or something, they would be doing the opposite. They would yank it away from me before. It, Cause they've seen me my worst. Oh, absolutely. You you don't know and the kind they,
1: of people that say, "Oh, here, have a drink of this." You know, that's all in your mind. You can have just one,
0: right? Yeah. I don't <laughs> like uh, I, don't I, just taste I don't hang it. out with people like that. And and, and if they are people like that, then you know, you know, you should be hanging out. Yeah, with them. <laughs> then you know what kind of friend that person is, right? Exactly.
2: But I I like laid it out to that way. And some of my wife's friends that were kind of mutual friends with it's like her the wife's are friends and then we, the husbands were friends. You know, and there's been a few times where. We've been out of dinner and then they've ordered something and I'm just like, and I just kind of lay it out and say, this is what I went through. And they're just, they're not like shocked and like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But <laughs> I, they're more, they've, they've looked at it on a level and, and every one of them has been like, that's really cool. I'm glad that you saw and recognized a problem because even my own mother, when I went to rehab, she was like, are you sure that you need to be there? Mm. And my in laws kind of said that same comment. Are you sh- like when you get out? Are you sure you need
0: to do this IOP <laughs> stuff? Like, this my is- parents were like, my, my my parents were like, it's about fucking time. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were wondering if you were ever going to catch on to this. She's like, there's few. a problem here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> was on the top of my head.
2: So I think it's that is my encouragement to, you know, if anybody is listening, is to really sit down with everybody that's in your circle, that you need to be able to be honest, one, with yourself, two, with uh, if you're in a relationship, married, whatever, um, close friends, and obviously those people that you are using. And I think that was like, I don't know, I, I just remember so vividly in my head, there was a girl that was in rehab with us, and she was telling the story about like, we we're doing these mock-up scenarios, and she was explaining that these people are role-playing and acting like her using friends and what you say to them when you leave here. And we are all acting like them, like, come on, you do it, do it, and, like, peer pressure stuff. And she was just like, I just don't know how – I could like say no to them and stuff. Like they're just such nice people. And like all, I was just seriously just like, they're not your friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, it got uh, heated in there. Like we were with, everyone's like yelling at each other. I was like, if they, if they are encouraging you to do it, you don't go hang out with them. Like it's that simple, but it it really is not that simple. It's hard. You have it is connections tricky. and phone numbers and, you know, and you hear stories of, you know, if I go back, I know if I go back, you, you hear that with people in rehab too if I go back to where I was, I know what I'm going to do. And then like, they don't do it. They don't act on
0: it. And they go back to the same situation, same house, same. Yeah. And it's, which is part of the relapse process. Right. Absolutely. A lot of the things, especially in early recovery that I had to do, I had to clean house on Facebook. Cause I didn't have, I, I really didn't understand like how many toxic people and toxic threads that I was following until I got out of treatment and they gave me like a phone back. And then I started looking into it. Dude, I was following some really dumb shit. Um, but it was very triggering. So I, I, you know, tipsy bartender where they have all these great bartender drinks or um, or these drug-related sites that I didn't realize that I was following uh, because I guess it kind of came with the lifestyle and I had, to, I had to clean that out. And then I had to clean out the people that I hung out with. For anyone who is struggling this is this is my this is my my thought on this for anyone who's struggling on the whole I'm gonna give up my friend I can't give up my friends. there are seven billion people on the planet. I am 100% positive you could find another friend <laughs> right. especially a supportive one and and I, and I get there's emotional attachment to that, but that brings a lot of people down and that really is like what we were saying what I was saying earlier. On the front line of relapse prevention, stopping yourself from hanging out with toxic people or building a support system that supports your decisions, not one that questions it or tears it down Uh, because, it can, man, it just gets you, and you don't even realize that it gets you, and that's actually a part of this emotional relapse thing is when in emotional relapse, that first stage of the process, you're not even thinking about using. Using doesn't even come up. It just tips your scale slightly and and it's almost like having a, a scale with water in a bowl and as that scale slightly tips that water shifts and you can just it will just tip it even more and it'll slowly go um and then that's when it gets you into mental relapse and we'll talk about that stage in a second but that is one of those things that you have to be super aware of is being around the right people Right.
1: But I mean, don't don't you find that or don't you remember that like being being in that situation where you're kind of, you know, new and clean and people are telling you, you know, you, you need to change your friends like that seems like impossible.
0: Yeah, um, it does. Because that, that's, that's I thought that's, the same that's thing. That's
1: literally the walls of your world. It's like what your world looks like. And um, see, I, I I feel like I've made pretty much every mistake in um (laughs) trying to stay sober and um you know maybe i i just i have to learn the hard way um and i'm still learning stuff all the time every day actually um even whether i'm cognitive of it or not you know and uh but i remember i remember people telling me that i needed to change friends and um uh, there's there's another saying um when you go into a they'll they'll say um people that have had long, long time sobriety always say it. They say, uh, I had to change everything, but my last name. And, um, and I'm like, well, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> you know, how about just not drink, you know, how about just not, not do drugs? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> So <clears throat> I've said before, most of my friends kind of left anyway, the ones that, that drank, cause they were usually drinking my beer. Oh yeah. And, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, uh, yeah I've I I literally um I I changed my job I changed where I lived I changed um I changed just about everything like well, any, I gotta but it took some time I didn't do it all at once
2: yeah I think the process I think the time and the process like you're saying is is key and one quote that always like I've I think week one, I got out of rehab and like you have your freedom back. You're like, I could literally go do whatever I want right now. Nobody would know. Yep. You know, you had that mindset of like just that addict attitude. No one would know. Nobody would know. Yep. But I, I read this quote and it says you don't get over an addiction by stopping using you recover by creating a new life where it is easier to not use. If you don't create a new life, then all the factors that brought you to your addiction will catch up with you again. And, like, I read that, like, over and over and over again. And it's really true. Like, if you don't create that new life and it's really hard to let go of that. I know, like, last week you said it's, like, giving up your best friend. Right. And you you really, it's a struggle, you know, like, because there's parts of it that I remember my therapist was, like, you had some great times when you were drunk. You did some cool shit, I'm sure. You have some funny stories. And, you know, all of it's not, like, a negative, bad thing. You know, it progressively went that negative, bad way. But well, if it didn't
1: start out, th- I if you, if you don't mind, I, I had a, I had a friend say to me one time, um, I really hate going to some of these AA meetings because people will stand up and they'll talk about how horrible their lives were were, and like you know, I started stories. drinking when I was five and it was terrible and blah blah blah, and. You know, if they if they if they started drinking, it was terrible. Why why did they keep doing it? You know, he's like, because what I want to do when they say things like that is, is stand up and say, if 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 it was, if you had such a terrible time drinking, then you didn't do it right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it I I had a blast for yeah. years and years and years and years, and it wasn't until, you know maybe the last quarter of it that it got intensely
2: we're caught up to not you. good.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. I, I, same thing. It was like, I remember crushing beers after I kayaked a class five river. It's like something I've never done before. And I was like, we did it. No one died. And like, wow. You know, cheersing beers and Jackson hole with pals. Like that was pretty rad. Right. You know, sitting around the campfire talking about it. Like we didn't die. And like, just like, <laughs> wow, what am I, we're over here doing it's. Uh, there's some, you know, good stories about it, but then it's just like, I, I call it like my life sucker. That's what it did to me. It just sucked all of the fun of who I really am as a person. And it just yanked all that out of from me. And I, and it took a while to kind of build
0: that back and I still am building it back. So one of the, uh, so we, so we talked about, um, we talked about emotional relapse, and how you're not actually thinking about using an emotional relapse. they are emotions or behaviors that are setting you up, kind of slightly tipping that scale. Um, The second part, or I guess the second phase in the relapse cycle, is mental relapse. And this is where, so for a really long time in my recovery, I wouldn't let myself get to the emotional relapse. I was hypersensitive on how much I worked, how much I put into school, especially after I relapsed, it was, I mean, I was hyper aware of it. Um, anything that would mentally throw me off or could potentially throw me off, I was highly aware of how it could happen, what if it does, what am I going to do about it? But then what happens now is I kind of, i all push myself to the limits. Um, I get more comfortable in my recovery so I can pick up more things. Um, and then it leads into this mental relapse. And this is where there's a war going on in my mind do I want to use, do I not want to use? Uh, and it's super simple, and they're super quiet thoughts that are in the back of my head sometimes, but it's insane. Like, there's there was a time, and I don't recommend this to anybody, but I lived with my parents for a while, and my dad had a, a liquor cabinet and a beer fridge and everything that was out in their garage, so I never kind of went out there and crossed it, but it's always been there. But one day, his he took a Bud Light which of all the beer that I would drink, it would not be a Bud Light. And he sets it in the kitchen fridge, okay, on top shelf. And I'm probably two or three years clean by this time. And I get home from work from a treatment center and I look at that beer and it fucking crossed my mind. Man, that beer sounds really good right now. I could just have this one beer and nobody would know. Right. And that is the mental, the mental relapse. And at that point in time, me specifically, when I get into that, I get scared like I get flippin' scared. I don't know why I've said fuck like right a thousand times it. now. I don't know. I was like, I was like, what? I was like exactly. emphasizing <laughs> flippin'. Uh, I get scared because I don't. I don't want to go back to that. And there's so many signs of this. Um, the thinking about the people, places, and things that used to be this great time. You know, g- glamorizing this past past using or uh, they call it euphoric recall. Um. Deciding, I think I'm just going to go hang out with this old friend in this old using area at a bar. Right. Like, <laughs> well, that's well, that's that's what he's saying in here
2: too. He's saying it's you need to avoid the high risk situations, and it's and he also talks about that in this mental capacity that we have of, I we need to identify the high risk situations and believing that they are high risk, and sometimes we think that avoiding a high risk situation is a sign of weakness. And it's mm-hmm. true, you know it's like I want to go I, I can go hang out with that friend, I'm stronger, you know, or the friend at the bar situation like you're talking about. I can go there without doing this. It's like you're playing these mental gymnastics in your head of thinking, I'm stronger than this, but yeah, you know you're not exactly
0: you know
1: it's it's why like can this, they
0: do it and I can't right.
1: It's an honesty issue. It's a self-honesty issue.
0: It's kind of an acceptance thing. That's
1: that's like one of the right.
0: It's it, bargaining. I,
1: that's one of the first things, um, I I have to look at with myself. Is you know how you said um, I could do this and no one would know. I would know.
0: Yeah. You know, and the most uh, important person in my life would know, and that's me. That's exactly right. <laughs> right. That's, <laughs> it's
1: true. Um, it, it's it to me. It's a. It, it's a question of honesty, even when I think, um, when I get myself into, uh, I don't know, a state of mind where, um, that's similar to relapse, I guess maybe like, you know, you said a, an emotional relapse, you know, cause a relapse doesn't have to be just using, you can go, you know, you can sort of relapse without actually picking up.
2: Absolutely. It, they call it
1: a dry drunk. Yeah. I did that for a bit. And, um, but one of the one of the alarms that goes off for me is um, honesty. Mm. Um, it, when I, the first the what I notice the first thing that goes if I pick up and drink, uh, my honesty just immediately just flies out the window. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody, you know. Uh, you immediately hide it, and your first response is to lie about it. I already planning on lying about it. If anybody asks me no, you know, um if that, you know, why would I say yes? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> the, the moment it passes my lips, I begin to lie. I begin to lie to myself, I begin to mentally lie to other people. I get prepared. I'm like writing scripts out for, you know, the lies that I'm going to use. And um and I and I and I notice when when there's kind of those those things that come along um uh, even you know before I pick up or anything, weeks before or months, you know now I I head it off. But I I I notice myself maybe telling little white lies. Um, I I've, I've come to to value honesty in myself and other people above almost all else. Um, having somebody being honest with you is the bomb, and being able to be honest because you can avoid. Future stress and things like that, just by people telling you how it
2: is. But even if you're wrong, or if you made the mistake of being honest about it, it's like admitting it's part of it. It's like I admitting I'm doing something wrong.
1: Absolutely, like correcting it. Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, that's yeah. That's I would say if, if when I notice myself being a little bit dishonest, like I said, even even little white lies. Um, maybe a reason why I can't make an appointment or, um, uh, what I've spent my money on, you know, or I, I, even, even to, to, uh, my daughter who's, you know, younger and sometimes I don't feel like I have to explain myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed that I'm getting into trouble.
0: (laughs) One of, uh, there's several, cause we're, we're talking about relapse prevention, right? And so there's, there are actually several things that I personally do that will, uh, especially when I get to the mental part of it, when I'm actually r- really running through whether or not I want to drink that Bud Light. It's just absurd. I mean, I can't even, like, if I'm going to go out, it's not going to be from one Bud Light in the fridge. Uh, <laughs> <it's> so dumb. <laughs> but there are a lot of things that I do. I mean, I'll, and these are so, once again, cliches. Uh, play the tape through. Like, what's going to happen when I drink this beer? Is it actually going to be okay, or because because I'll say it, and I've said it from the get go. I've been an addict since I was like born. I mean, as long as I can remember. So what is what what like what's different, you know, to play the tape through? What's going to happen? Or uh, lately, I've also been telling people like I'll call my sponsor, or I called Kevin the other day, and or I guess I texted him the other day and told him that I wanted a beer. Um, there's a lot of times that I'll do that. Or there's sometimes that I'll um, I'll distract myself, and early in recovery, it's so hard because it's almost like this like overwhelming thought in the back of your mind, like you want to drink. I don't want to drink. Look, there's a squirrel. You want to drink. I don't want to drink. Look, there's a you know a tree. I don't want to drink. Well, it's, it's Look, like, there's. A
2: <laughs> it's just it's so consuming. It is you know,
0: and I and I
2: one thing that I really have struggled with is like that self-consumption of and, and dropping it and, like, mm-hmm. learning how to, like, kind of play the tape out, but just, like, mentally stopping and pausing, Exactly. you know, and just thinking about it and just kind of taking a deep breath or slowing down and being like, okay, what what is going to happen if I do this or I can see,
0: um, you know, it all falling in front of me again. Exactly. And it's a lot easier said than done, especially in the beginning, but it gets easier the more the more time you have away from the drug and the more, uh, I guess, the more practice that you get in. And then I, th- I think another thing, too, that I really, init- like, utilize is I have to take care of myself. Um, I, have to take, uh, I have to take time off. I'm not one of those people that can sit and work nine days a week. Like, it just doesn't, I can't, I can't do that. And at first, it's that same thing, that sign of weakness. Like, I, I, I thought, because I can. I am physically capable and mentally capable of working a ninety-hour work week. The problem is, I can't keep up with the repercussions from that. Um, I can do it and I can keep up with anybody, but I can't do it healthily. And so I have to take time to to relax. I have to give myself a break. I was last fall semester was one of the most stressful fall semester or one of the most stressful semesters that I had in my entire college career. And I got really lucky as to um, work, the, client, the clientele dropped dramatically. And so my boss called and said, hey, why don't you just take two weeks off for, for Christmas? And I made it a point. I didn't work. I didn't do any type of school. The only thing I did was, like, read books. I, I, I acted like an 85-year-old, you know, man. I read, I read books, and I worked on puzzles. And that following semester, just this most recent spring semester, was the best semester I ever had. I had zero anxiety on any of my classes. I was cool, calm, and collected the whole three months. And I really attribute a lot of that to being able to disconnect for a while and get my thoughts back together. Um, Because that is me taking care of myself and me recognizing that I can do all of those things. I'm just choosing not to for my own health. is one of, the, one of the biggest relapse preventers that I have had um, is self, self-care, self man. Got to take care of yourself. It's the same thing as like sitting on an airplane and, you know, you're supposed to put your oxygen mask on first before you can give somebody else theirs. Which seems very backwards, but it's... Yes, but it's true. You are technically, especially in addiction, it's, you have to be selfish and you have to take care of yourself first. There is no one else because the first thing that you put in front of your recovery is the second thing you're gonna lose. This is the way that it is, and it was kind of like what you were saying. That 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 line is almost exactly what you were saying previous, earlier, just in a simpler sentence. First thing you put in front of your recovery is the second thing you're gonna lose. Yeah,
2: and it's it it is really hard. You know, I know that like I felt extremely um, selfish for myself of saying I need to go do this, and I was my first initial thought was is um, I think. I got impatient and I was like, I want to, uh, I told my therapist, I said, I'm, I'm so excited to have a year sober. I'm going to come back and prove it to you. And he was like, uh, that's very unhealthy. (laughs) He's like, you need to go one day at a time. Like you're just jumping through this really quick. And, and I didn't really get that part of it. I just wanted out, you know, I want to be done with this. I want to be like my life back in order. I want to be healed. (laughs) I want to be fixed. And like us as humans, I mean, we're all human and we all want that. We all want that road or that path. And yeah, we just want to bypass the work it takes to yeah. get there. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think everyone can kind of relate to that in more angles and just even addiction as well. And I, and I remember him consistently telling me, Mike, if you, how in the world can you take care of other people, your family, if you can't take care of yourself, and if you and if you can't do that, it's not going to happen and he was very cautious with that and I and I, he was like you should be really slow when you go back to work like and I, my dad's my boss and he was he was even saying to me y- you should Probably tell your daddy you need to take it easy, and I was when you go back. And my dad's very much of a workhorse, and I was very intimidated by that. And saying I don't think I can do that. He's like, well, I can. I'm your therapist. I can call your dad. I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that route. And he was like dead serious, like, no, seriously. If you want me to call him, I'll call him. I was like, no, like, and I I had my own pride. I was like, no, (laughs) I'll do it. So I would remember having that conversation with my dad and just be like, you know, when coming back into work, like, I just kind of want to. Be, be real with you and if you see things with me or whatever, and I remember I got to my office and I literally cleaned my whole office and just like, I gotta start fresh and just slowly get back into the system of my life and and, and he also gave me a paper of for me to be able to look for the warning signs of, the, of my self-care uh, I think it's like the crazy test the the emotional I don't know if you've ever done it before it's like the emotional crazy test oh I've heard of it yeah yeah, so I went through it and it's like the things that you normally do but if you if those things are out of sync in your life then those are things that are creeping up in you and it kind of a red flag to knowing that something's wrong like for example if you have a clean car uh you you always have a clean car and all of a sudden your car is dirty then it's like okay Mike has an issue usually his car is really clean what's going on in his life or Mike likes to go on a bike ride three times a week. So I like wrote down all of these things of of what keeps me on that path, what are my like warning signs so I can be aware of them. And, and uh, I've definitely, it's still to this day, I'm, I'm still finding those and, and I'm explaining those to my wife. I'm like, you know, I need to get a little more self-care. I need to go do this today or I need to go do this and plan accordingly so I'm not just like being like, overly selfish and giving her her time too and being able to be with my children and stuff like that so it's uh it's it's definitely been a huge eye-opener but it's been uh, healthy healthier than it has so right
0: (laughs) right on we are just running out of time um what are some uh what are some final suggestions relapse prevention what do you got kevin what do you think
1: well, I would, I would definitely, if I was in the AA program, which I am. But if, if you got if someone that's listening that decided to go that route, I would, uh, I would find a sponsor that's uh, done the steps. I, you know, any at first any sponsor will do. I, um, but as you, you know, you keep going to meetings and your recovery gets a little bit of stronger. Um, I would not fear finding a different sponsor it's not uh, a sponsor i think some people are afraid to be like oh my sponsor's not working out for me you know like there's something wrong with me (laughs) you know um it's not it doesn't work that way Uh, a sponsor is a person who has done the steps has and and as a result has gained uh sobriety time so they can literally because they understand the steps and so they can literally walk you through them um i would suggest doing that that's that that has given me the longest amount of time is actually doing the steps um, to see what the result of them would be if I actually did the steps. Um, there's, I, if I can quickly point it out or say a little thing, um, I kind of compare it to um, my life is like a, a roller coaster, like uh, one of those white, rickety roller coasters. And If I'm going up this roller coaster and things are getting good, or even if I start going down and things are bad, if I've done my day or my days the way I'm supposed to, the way I see them from doing step work, I don't have to constantly worry about all those little pins that are holding those those rafters all together. So even if I'm going down and it's really scary, it can still be, you know, enjoyable and at least, you know, doable and i don't have to worry about one of those little pins like coming out and the whole roller coaster going crashing to the ground and and um because by by taking my inventory every day by taking care of uh things that i need to take care of i know that each one of those pins are in place because i checked every single one of them Mm. i like that yeah so um i would i would i would go the route of uh, doing the twelve steps, um, or at least going to meetings and spreading my uh, base out wide. One of the one of the mistakes that I made in the beginning that sent me through—I um, sent myself through a very hard relapse. I almost didn't come back. Actually, um, was I didn't meet a lot of people. I was very shy. Um, I was very um i I had a hard time saying my name just introducing myself as an alcoholic in meetings and my entire recovery was kind of based around one guy which is like the guy who suggested that i go um so what i've done now is i'm willing to stick out my hand and say hi my name's kevin
2: right you know
1: how's it going (laughs) i and and just you know uh, we were talking about earlier about um having to change friends and everything i i'm not so worried and scared of the unknown anymore because i've do you remember like I i think when you first when i first uh was on here with you and i told you to be curious yeah well to, so having somebody tell you to change all of your friends is like asking them for you to, to look out into a void and take a first step. Like that's, it's just not, no, you right. know, you're, you're just like, a a light, you know, fuck you. I'm not getting rid of my friends. I'm not like, <laughs> but like, um, but now I'm curious about what that first step into the void is going to bring me because every time I do it, something's there. And it's just as good or even better. And if it's not better and it sucks, I take another step into the void. Um, just because I can't see the future doesn't mean it's going to be shitty. Mm.
2: I like that. That's really good. I like that. My, on With me, on my closing, what I'd like to say um, is I've, I've always been a pretty positive person growing up, smiling a lot, just laughing or joking about things that probably I shouldn't be joking about, like... Funerals or something, you know. Uh, no, I'm just joking. That wasn't funny. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I really try to focus, and I hope that you can try this as to to avoid the negative thinking. Mm. It's so easy to get your wrapped yourself wrapped up into it of you know negativity, kind of like the Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Like, oh, you know, kick in the dirt and just piss about stuff, and you know, like, like
0: <laughs> did like, you just reference anything? Yeah, Yeah, you know, you know, Eeyore, yeah, like my brother and I were
2: laughing about him today at the office, and not we were not expecting we were, that, right? We were teasing about it, and just like, oh, my life sucks, <laughs> you know, I can't do it this, and so avoiding the negative thinking, like, my problem is because of other people, I don't think I can handle life without using, maybe I can't can just use occasionally. Life won't be fun. I won't be fun using without using. I'm worried I will run into someone I don't like and just like this constant negativity and and it's really a hard thing that I've learned of recognizing it and saying, "Okay, this is negative and how can I turn it into a positive?" And that's been kind of the key. It's been really hard to kind of flip that around. And I've been trying smaller things of just realizing of thinking something positive and or just like if I'm driving in the car and I'm just like clenched, stomach's like held flexed, you know, just anxiety, stress ball. I just like look out and like, you know what, just roll the window down for a second and just feel the air. Right. Mm -hmm. And just like that felt good. And just something so simple. And like if, if you can start to kind of tap into your brain into those small little cognitive thinkings it really does make it into a positive. And those the the more that you do it, it's kinda like going to the gym and working out. You become stronger and you become stronger. So when those things do fly at you, you can become stronger. And in, in especially in, in your relapse prevention, I think the negativity when it's kind of crushed or stomped on, it really, you know, does better. So you aren't the Eeyore <laughs> <laughs>
0: um i think the last the last thing that i would uh throw on there is i don't i no matter how much time i have uh whether it's uh, a week whether it's a year whether it's 10 years the thing that consistently goes through my head is i don't got this there are a lot of things that i that i'll look at in life and i'll be like i got this i'm gonna do this and and there are a lot of other things that I have the, uh, humility of saying that I don't have this and being humble enough to know that I am not invincible to this stuff and being humble enough to know that I am just as vulnerable as anybody else to get drunk or to get high or whatever it may be, um, is probably the biggest preventative measure that I've taken in my recovery uh to know cuz i know so many people especially in early recovery somebody'll come in into a treatment center and they've been drinking for 20 years and 2 weeks in they'll go i got this right I'm like okay let's and i'm not it's like comical <laughs> it is it is um uh, because it's not it's not rational Uh, to think that I've had this behavior for 20 years and I'm two weeks in and I'm like, oh yeah, I got this. you know, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Nine out of 10 times those people that come up to me and say, oh yeah, I've got this come back six months later. Cause they obviously didn't got this
2: and probably come back
0: six months. Later. Yeah. And then probably come back again, especially if they keep telling me I got this. Um, or they like pick a different drug cause they're like, Oh, well I'm not drinking. I mean, I got that. So I'm just going to go slam meth or something. like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'd have to say my, my final thing is I don't, I don't got this. And I'm called, okay with It's that. called
1: being humble. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with not having, so I'm not saying that I haven't had it before or that I'm not ever going to have it, but right now I don't, I don't got it and I'm okay with that. So, um, yeah. So I think,
2: thank you. That's good. No, that, yeah, go uh, ahead. Um, I think just the last encouragement, you know, really write it down, be honest with yourself and write up a little prevention protocol. You know, what is it that does Nobody knows you more than you know, you you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, you know yourself. You know, you've you got to be that 100% willing, honest person and dig deep. Say, I know that triggers me. This does this to me. And be able to have those things set in place. So be honest with yourself. Write
0: it down. And, uh,
2: yeah, that's all I got.
0: Hell, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up until next week. Uh, we are out of here. So thanks for listening, guys. Bye. See ya.